Hello, and welcome to Crosspoint Church's podcast. We are here to reveal God in everyday ways that help people like you. Whether you are a Christian or not, we believe that God is not far from any one of us, and He wants to be found. You don't have to look a certain way or have it all together to become one of us. We don't have it all together either. But we do have hope in the one who does. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who they were or what they had done. We want to be just like that. If you want to connect with us, just stay after the message, and we'll tell you how. I'm excited to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. My name is Andrew Goff, I'm one of the pastors here at Crosspoint. Uh, if you are new or visiting, or we just haven't met, because I've only been here like 10 weeks. Isn't that crazy? Feels like longer than that to me, in a good way. In a, right. It's a joy to be a part of this congregation and this fellowship, and I love looking at the Word with you. Uh, And in particular today, um, if you are new to us, especially if you've come in the time frame that I have, um, you might think that we just like pick whatever topic is on our mind that we can go for it. Uh, Normally we don't. Normally we uh, preach in an expository manner, which means that we pick a book and we go through it. We're going to look at the book of John, and we're going to go through it. We're going to look at the uh, book. Uh, we've been going through the gospel project the last couple of years. So we've been starting at the beginning and going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Uh, we took a break this summer, um, kind of did some thematic preaching, um, had some different preachers come in. Did anybody else enjoy just kind of having some fresh, just different people, different perspectives? I love that. Uh, I love having people come share their hearts. And we kind of told them, hey, whatever is like your heart. We want you to share that with our congregation. So I thought that was great. Um, So we are doing that still in this time as we are just three weeks removed from some hurt that our congregation is going through with our senior pastor, right? So we are continuing to walk in that together. And so actually, I'm going to talk more about it at the end of the sermon and the service here, but uh, Pastor Phil and I, one of the other elders, have charted out and planned and in conjunction with the other elders, kind of what the next eight to 10 weeks look like, even through Christmas. Uh, who will be preaching? What we will be preaching on as we continue to walk in this part of our journey together. So we're going to talk a little more about that later. Today, I'm really, ooh, and the lights came up. <sighs> Today... I'm really excited about this theme because it's small group Sunday, and I'm the pastor of small groups, so if I'm not excited about it, ain't nobody getting excited about it. And I am very excited about it. That's what we're going to be talking about today, what Scripture has to say about what it is to be in Christian community with each other, what that looks like, why Sunday mornings don't fulfill everything we need as followers of Christ to become disciples and walk that journey, why small groups are vital. I believe strongly that small groups are one of the two most important ministries in the church. Anybody know the other one? Where, oh, you would think it would be worship. Worship pastor. No, children's. Amen, right? Children, I believe that so go children's and small groups, so goes the church. Hear me that I would never be an advocate of getting rid of Sunday mornings. This, this time is vital. But a good, healthy, thriving church, if something were to come someday in the far future, right, that caused us to not be able to meet together on Sunday mornings, as like happened two years ago, I was a little too coy about that, right, COVID? Right? 
people involved in our small group ministry meeting either in person or virtually to be together that we just can't do and have that kind of intimacy on a Sunday morning with everybody. Ooh, small groups, getting ahead of myself. None of that was on my notes. We should get back to it. <clears throat> Once a year, we do this small group, and we talk about why uh, they are so important. And to do, start that off, we're going to look into Scripture. So you can turn, if you want, it's going to be on the screen, Hebrews 10. I have it nice and marked my little cheat sheet. Hebrews 10, we're going to look at what Scripture has to say, and this will kind of be the launching point. Ten twenty-three through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his returning is drawing near. Return is drawing near. Lord, I pray for this message, that your words that you want spoken to these people would be said, and that my words that I think are cool and pithy and fun would be forgotten, and hopefully not even uttered, that the truth of your scripture would ring true in our souls, and that we would see your plan for your church and what you intended it to be, and how small groups in the current modern era of church, I believe, are a large part of that plan. We love you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. As followers of Christ, we are called, straight from this passage, we are called to meet together in order to hold tightly to the word of God and to encourage each other, especially toward acts of love and good works. So there are Two basic kinds of community that we can be in, actually three, uh, certainly community with the Trinity, which is vital. If, if this relationship isn't right, ain't none of these relationships going to be right, right? So community with the Trinity, community with non-believers, community with people who do not follow the ways and teachings of Jesus and trust in him as their savior. We are called to be in a kind of community with them. And then we are called to be in community with each other, right? And this, as this, the crux of this passage, followers of Christ called to meet together in order to hold tightly to the word of God. So this book is never forsaken. It is always the centerpiece, the foundation of what we believe and why we believe it, and we study that together. And to encourage each other, especially toward acts of love and good works, going to go to Acts 2.41. Again, you can turn there if you want. It's going to be on the screen. The day of Pentecost, which is a, a known passage if you've been in church for a while. Jesus ascended, leaving his disciples to wonder how they're going to do this. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to send a helper, a worker to be with you and guide you. And he meant the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit came at Pentecost and came upon Peter. And Peter preached, I think, probably the sermon of his life because it said over 3,000 were added to their number that day, right? And the Spirit is moving. And then, right after this, 2, verse 41, there it is. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. 
All the, the title of this next passage is The Believers Form a Community. <laughs> All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So on the way out, we're going to have um, baskets, and if you could write your life savings into a check and put it in there, we're going to share everything we have together and give it to... Just kidding. Just kidding. If you want to, you can. I mean, nobody's going to stop you. So in first century world, Jerusalem, the time of Jesus and the disciples, you probably know a lot of what I'm about to say, but um, things were tough. For them, these were tougher in terms of following Christ than they are now for us in America, right? Anybody who has traveled abroad or done missions short term, we have some long term missionaries in here that are retired, right? Persecution in the rest of the world is unbelievably real and active and living today, right? And it certainly was back then. He used Christians as human torches in the street. Murdered by the dozens. To be a follower of Christ was, <laughs> was not a cultural... What is the right word? <laughs> it wasn't something you did because everyone else was doing it. It's something you did because you believed it. Right? You believed this to be true with your life. And so many gave that. For the cause and sake of Christ. So for them, meeting together, as the scripture tells us they did, sharing together, not neglecting to meet together, wasn't this idea of, you better do this because this is what the Lord wants. If you don't meet together, you're not doing it right. It was a, hey, if we don't meet together, first of all, we're not going to hear the word of the Lord because none of us have copies of it, right? That's where they went to hear scripture. They met together to encourage and spur one another on. Because I bet that every week they met or every month they met, there were more of them because of evangelizing that became believers, but there were less regulars, right? Because they were being murdered and tortured and persecuted. So they met, <laughs> they met together for encouragement. That feels like the understatement of the century in light of this, for encouragement, to be spurred on and say, how was your week? How was your month? What are you facing? What parts of the city should we avoid right now? Because Roman guards are kind of taking it over. Where should we be careful? Whew, can you imagine? We don't face that kind of persecution right now. And I, I don't want to be glib about that. I don't mean to say that, that some of you may not have faced persecution for the name of the Lord. I believe absolutely that happens here, right? And for you, because of that, come to church, come to a small group to talk about that, right? Just as they did in the first century. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a great 20th century theologian. He lived in Germany in the time of the Nazi regime. Many of you have probably heard of him. He was a pastor. Um, He was murdered by Adolf Hitler very young in his life, but he was old enough to make a tremendous impact, wrote many books. Um, In fact, wrote the book that is the title of my sermon today, Life Together. He wrote it. Very good book. If you, I so, go read it. I so encourage you to read it. Um, Plan on about one page a week. Because it's like thick. Every line is like, whew, I can't, I can't even keep going. Life together. He <clears throat> writes about this, writing about the ability to freely meet together as believers. And he put it like this. It is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us, that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. By the grace of God, are we allowed to live in Christian community with each other? And so while we shouldn't feel guilty about having that freedom to meet together that so many believers don't have and haven't had throughout history We should never lose sight that this isn't the norm. Even today, what we experience in America and in this city and in this church is not the norm for Christians throughout the world and throughout time. Isn't that crazy? Like We are the minority getting to do this right here. I think that's that's remarkable. So it is by the grace of God that we are able to meet together to share victories, share struggles, and be encouraged to be sent back out into the world to share the good news. Small groups are where this happened. Are any of you talking for 30 minutes right now? No, it's me. Like I get, right? Sunday mornings, this is not the time or the venue or the avenue that we have to really dive into the meat of your life. What is happening with you? The struggles and sins that you are dealing with. And that you need people to encourage you come around you, support you, and to hold you accountable and help you walk through that. I hope that all of you have people in your life, unbelievers, that you are living in community with. We'll talk a little bit about that later. That you are having the opportunity to witness to, to proselytize, to evangelize, to share the name of the Lord. And you're going to get rejected and made fun of because of that if you're doing that. And can you... Like right now, is this the time that you are talking to each other about that and how that's going? No, it is in small groups. It is in a small, intimate group of community and people that are like-minded, that love the Lord, that love you, that will walk with you in this journey. In order to really share this life with each other in authentic biblical community, we must have, first and foremost, trust and vulnerability. Who man, trust is a tricky thing, right? Once trust is broken, it is hard to regain. 
And I don't know, I don't know a lot of you at all, and even those that do, I don't necessarily know your stories, especially in detail. We haven't had that time yet together, and we will, and I look forward to that. I don't know what's in your past where trust was shattered. I fully believe, right? We've got 200 people in this room. Guarantee there are those stories in here where trust has been shattered, maybe between a spouse or between a fa- another family member or a friend or maybe within a previous small group that you had or a church that you were a part of. And I want you to know that I am so sorry that you experienced that especially if it came from a church or spiritual leader. Right? I want you to know that that person is going to have to answer to that before the Lord someday of how they handled and treated you and broke the trust and responsibility that you gave them. Because we do not take this lightly as leaders. The Lord has called us to help lead, guide, and shepherd the flock in trust and vulnerability. Because that's what happens in small groups is the basis of trust so that we can live that life together. Galatians 6, also going to be on the screen, but you can look it up if you want to. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. (laughs) If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. (laughs) Leave it to Paul, right? Just saying it like it is. Get over yourself. (laughs) So there's a book that I love. Um, I worked at camp for four summers as a camp counselor, did a year internship there, and I got to work on um, the high, high ropes course. Does anybody love, like, cheating death, pretty much? Where's, where's Jeff? I come in here last week, and Jeff's like, hey, I have some pictures to show you. If you don't know Jeff, get to know him. And he's, like, he's showing me, like, he went to, like, a, a Hollywood stunt thing with stunt people that do this professionally. And he like he showed me a video of his arm on fire. It's like whatever, just and then like a full body. Somebody was on fire. You're jumping out of airplanes. Whoa, ropes course is like low stuff for you. So I get it, Jeff. Anyway, I got to work at a ropes course. Do like zip line and bungee all these things, and I love that. So I got to be uh, certified in a lot of like team building things, like lead team building activities for groups. And I love team building, right? I love mining for conflict, having people get angry at each other and then like talking about it, right? Hey, where'd that come from? Let's talk about that. So in that training, uh, we had a book that we had to read. It was by Patrick Lencioni, a good team building and leadership author, and it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Have you ever heard of that? Such a good book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I love the way that he comes at it, right? It's a kind of a unique thing where like he could have said the five things to make your team great. But no, if you want to make a terrible team, here's how to do it. It's five ways, right? And it's this pyramid. They kind of stack on top of each other. You've got to have this to have this to have this to have this, right? To have a great team. Bottom layer, foundational to everything. You cannot hope to achieve success, meet your metrics, uh, deal with conflict healthily, have anything else until trust happens. And the way he says it, the absence of trust is the best way to destroy a team. 
What does that mean? Trust and vulnerability. It means when someone shares and opens their heart to you, that they have handed you this thing. <laughs> that it's an egg with the easiest of, of strength. You could just crush it and destroy it if you so chose. Right? Or you can respond out of gentleness and humility when someone shares a sin they've been struggling with. Rather than responding with judgment and saying, I can't believe you. You like are on the worship team. I can't believe you deal with that. <laughs> that is taking that egg and crushing it, right? Destroying that trust. But instead we react in love and compassion, And it doesn't mean that at some point we don't speak the truth to them and show them God's word, right? We're called to correct, to be accountable for each other. But if that trust doesn't exist, good luck achieving much of anything else. Because Paul says in Romans 7, another another passage we're going to hit real fast. You can turn there. Oh, man, this is good. Speaking of sin. Romans 7, 15 through 17. Actually, I'm going to back up to verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. (laughs) But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Who I am the chief of all sinners, my friends. I don't know if you knew that. Pastors are not like up here. It is very rampant and relevant in my heart. I choose daily things that the Lord does not want me to choose, right? So to have a place to go where we can confess that. We can be together, be encouraged. Oh, man. This is why small groups are so, so vital. That's why we want to meet in groups of 6 to 12 because we can't do that intimately and deeply with 200 people around us on a Sunday morning to grow in trust and develop vulnerability and encouragement so that we can help each other stand when we're in danger of falling into sin. I'm going to say this again at the end, but I'm just going to say it now. If you are not in a small group, I encourage you to be in one. We have all kinds of things out there in the lobby today. Where are you? We're going to have small group leaders standing at some tables. We've got just a little basic thing. Say, I'm interested. Fill this out there everywhere out there. You'll see them everywhere. Fill it up. Hand it to a small group leader. Leave it on the table. We'll find it. We've got these great small group pamphlets made by Courtney and Jason, thank you, that show all of our small group leaders, all the demographics, where they meet, when they meet, childcare provided, okay? And they're gonna be out there today. And if you don't know any of them, don't feel like you have to go sign up for like some random person's group that you don't know, okay? You can just say, hey, I wanna be part of this and we will help you find the right group for you, okay? But I challenge you and encourage you I believe that if we're not in small groups, we are missing such a key and vital part of what it is to become a disciple of the Lord. If you don't have that group, 
that you meet with, to share those struggles, share those sins, support others in that, to encourage each other as they go throughout their lives and their evangelistic pursuits. If you don't have a group that you're meeting with regularly to do that, friends, we're not meant to live this life alone. Jesus didn't live this life alone. He had a small group. If Jesus needs it, so then do we. Very briefly, I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to get on. I'm going to talk about something, and then I'm going to invite some friends up to talk uh, as well about this very quickly. And kind of how it connects to meeting in community with believers is this second group of community that we're supposed to be called to, which is uh, non-believers, right? Right. So we. one of the reasons, reasons we meet at church and meet in small groups that we can meet to celebrate triumphs, find encouragement in defeats, and be refreshed to go back out and spread the gospel, right? Like, that's one of my strong goals on Sunday mornings, right? As I plan worship, work with worship leaders, anytime I preach, I want to send you out refreshed and recharged to go conquer the world for Christ, right? To go spread his message in his name. And again, there's no dialogue here. This is me talking at you, yelling sometimes, right? Small groups are where we get to have that dialogue and that conversation for you to be rewound, energized, and sit back out to go live in that community with non-believers, to be the light of the world, the city on a hill that God has called us to be to the world. Hey, where are you, friends, my two guys? Yeah, you guys come on up. Dylan and Clint. Yes, fantastic. I asked Dylan and Clint to come up. These are two of our small group leaders. Um, I actually had a third because I wanted a woman's perspective as well, uh, but they got sick last night, so um, you, get, you get these guys. Um, here, there's one mic. Actually, that's all we'll need. Uh, come up around the table here. Oh, you got a mic too. Yeah. Everybody gets a mic. You get a mic, you get a mic. Everybody gets a mic. Hi, how are you guys? All right. Great. I wanted, uh, I just wanted you guys to hear from someone different than me. Uh, so I'm just going to ask them some questions, and you can ignore them at your own Perel or listen to them. Um, but um, while, like, on a personal level, right, this is one thing for the pastor to yell at you and talk to you about this, but to hear from people who value small groups so much that they have decided to take the burden of leading them. So I wanted you to hear from them. So, hi, uh, just real quickly for people who don't know you. Uh, just say your name and kind of how long you've been involved in small groups. All right. Hey, my name is Clint Farrell. Um, I've been involved with a small group since, I don't know, probably seven or eight years ago. Me and my wife joined one, and I get the privilege of opening one up this Sunday. So looking forward to leading one and growing together with other believers, you know? Awesome. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Dylan. Uh, My wife, Amber, and I have been coming to Crosspoint for about eight years, I would say. Um, We've been in small group. Um, We've been in a few of them, uh, including with Clint before, Um, pretty much that whole time. And then um, I've been leading mine for about a year or so. So, yeah, as I said earlier, just speaking about leaders in the church, it's no small thing to take on this position where um, you're, you, are, you wear a lot of hats. You are part facilitator as you facilitate discussion. You're part teacher as you lead the discussion. Uh, you are part shepherd, 
when things happen in your small group, you are the, the starting point for a lot of those things. Like, what? <laughs> Why would you take all that on? Uh, for me, I, I want to take it on because it has been used in my own personal life. Um, the small group I have been involved in, I have found a safe place there, a place where I can be vulnerable, a place where I can be open about the struggles that we deal with as a family with two boys or anything that we're going through financially or anything in that sense that we've been able to be open with. So I find it important that God has used things in my life that I can now pour into other people's lives. Yeah, it's um, everything Clint said is, is spot on. Um, I, I would say the one unique thing about the Christian faith that's different from any other religion or worldview that's out there is that it's based on relationships. Like uh, Andrew's been talking about here, you don't get that on Sunday. Um, Jesus was deeply involved in the people's lives around him. And like, like I said, you don't get that on Sunday. That's, that's what the small group is for. So it's not you, you know, especially like we just learned and, and talked about in Hebrews, um, that relationship we're commanded to be in it. It's not like small group isn't. My advice going forward is don't like think of it as kind of like a, a club that you can kind of join because you like it. I mean, this is something that personal relationships is the foundation of our Christian faith. So go, think about it in terms of, you know, this is what God is commanding me to do because it's extremely important to your faith. Um, in just being a leader, it just I'm, you just take that on. It's just something that you do. Yeah, sounds like we're getting like aliens coming yeah. down to us somewhere. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so you you spoke to a lot to it there, but just kind of my last question for you guys was, um, yeah, if somebody is out there and they don't think they want this or need this or just kind of maybe the idea of groups terrifies them or um, yeah, what, what would be your encouragement? Uh, to why people should should jump should jump in. Um, I, I would jump in right away. Um, I think that would be a lie if something's telling you do not join a small group. That's very selfish. Whatever's going on in that situation, but to join is somewhere to be very open and honest with other believers that will encourage you. They will be with you and help you build down this journey of faith that we're all going in together. Yeah, I I would say. Um, if you know you've come been coming across point for a, a short amount of time, don't let that deter you from joining a small group. It's not a requirement that you've been coming here for two years before you can do that. <laughs> like we've been talking about and, and and discussing here, a small group that personal relationship um, first with God, but then lived out through relationship with um, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is a main foundation of, of the Christian faith. So, um, and, and, you know, joining, if you have only been coming here for a short amount of time and maybe you don't know a bunch of people, it's not like when you walk into a small group, you're walking into a place where people want you to be there. You're not going to be overlooked because it's a small group. People are going to notice that you're there and people are going to care about you and want to hear about your life and, and what you're going through because, you know, that's, that's the reason for it. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was great. Can we give them a...
I think. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Perfect. I'm going to quit yelling at you about this. We've said it 18 different ways. And ultimately, everything we have said is to show you why the Bible values that type of authentic, intimate Christian community. And why, therefore, we value it as a church. But it is between you and the Lord. I can't make you do anything, right? I challenge you to pray to the Spirit about whether he would have you join that type of community. As followers of Christ, we are called to meet together in order to hold tightly to the word of God and to encourage each other, especially toward acts of love and good works. As per usual, I've got a couple of talkback questions that I'd love for you to write down or just think about in your mind as you leave this place Um, especially if you are someone who isn't currently involved, hasn't really been a part of a small group. I just want you to think about these things. Let this marinate in your soul and your heart. Let the Spirit do a work in you because I firmly believe He wants you to. Who who is it, right? Who do you regularly meet with for fellowship in the Lord, sharing of struggles, learning about the Word, and prayer? So if if the answer is I don't know, You can. We have these waiting for you. We want you to be a part of what's happening at Crosspoint. And then when you join a small group, would you join a small group of like-minded believers with whom to be in more intimate and authentic community? Want that to be something that you value because we value it as a church because the scriptures that we hold to value it. Let me pray. And then we're going to move actually very fittingly into a time of communion with each other. Lord, I pray for this idea, this heart of small groups, the small group ministry. And ministry, Lord, we are ministering to each other's hearts. My goodness. You give us each other to help edify, fellowship, be encouraged by it. Believe strongly, Lord, that you work through those people in our lives to do that, to help us become more like your son. So I pray for anybody here who may be uncertain about that or just like doesn't enjoy that kind of a setting. I get that, Lord. But that you would push us outside of our comfort zones, of what makes us feel good and comfortable to what you're calling us to, which is to be in that type of deep, intimate community with fellow believers. We love you. I trust that your spirit will do his work. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. We are reminded in every song we sing and every word that is preached that what he did on this cross is the centerpiece of our faith and why we, why we are here. I encourage you to go out this week hope that you are encouraged and spurred on to live the life that God has called us to live. And I encourage and challenge you to think about joining a small group that you can be a part of other people spurring and challenging you week in and week out. We love you. We're so glad that you're here. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were encouraged and we'd like to personally invite you to attend one of our services here at Cross Point Church. 
We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. Our people are warm and welcoming, and we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus together. You can learn more about us at crosspointwestdallas.com, where you'll find more episodes of our podcast. You can watch past services on our YouTube channel, and we'll live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, thank you for listening to Crosspoint Church.